Welcome to the Responsible Entrepreneur Institute's podcast. This segment is called The Responsible Capitalist. It provides you a due diligence system for assessing the social and planetary impact of your financial investment. Most people are pretty good at the financial side, but do you know if the investment you're making will really make a difference? My name is Carol Sanford. I am your host. I am also a business and development coach for Fortune 500 companies and rock star entrepreneurs, as well as the author of The Responsible Business and The Responsible Entrepreneur for Game-Changing Archetypes for Founders, Leaders, and Impact Investors. The idea of doing good has become a really popular phrase in the entrepreneurial movement. It's really a reaction to noticing that what we were measuring before was just being less bad. It's like saying, are you going to be less bad to your children, or are you really going to do something good with them? But I believe even that is not enough. We have challenges which require more than just doing good. Steve Jobs always said it in terms of he wanted to make a dent in the universe, and in other words, really have a significant impact. He would have never said, let's just do something good. Larry Page calls it the 10x impact on the world, and he wants that many people to be positively impacted by the work that they do. What Steve Jobs knew was that to shoot for affecting an entire industry, you're more likely to have a really successful business. When you have that level of effect as a driver, it turns out you make better financial and social return. So the way I think about this that's sometimes helpful is that there are three levels a business can shoot for. The first level is a business and its products being successful and being good for the world. The second is thinking about the impact of all the processes that you have, including the effect on the customer, and are you really engaging a way that you're bringing about good from those? The third level, which is a bigger jump for most people's thinking, is can you shift an entire industry, which is what these two icons are talking about and what the stories in my book are talking about. The questions that you ask for each of these three is also very different. So the first level, where you're really just, you're looking at um, your business and its products really being successful is, are our products and our way of making them doing good things? Are the materials sustainable? Is it offering a better or a substitute version of a product, which is also better socially than we have now? This is the territory of the socially responsible business. For example, they might make a light that uses the sun instead of electricity, and therefore it can be used in rural Africa. They'll also seek to make sure it is fair trade. What happens here is the entrepreneur has to really know themselves, know their products, and know the choices they're making. So they're very focused on themselves. At level two, the question shifts again. Can we have an impact on the lives of people when we make a product? so that they are healthier and there is more systemic wealth. A few companies are really moving to this level. They're creating product systems that overall improve the lives of their consumers, as well as the suppliers, rather than just creating a good product, which they need to do. They look at the lives of their buyers. Instead of working on fair trade certification alone, they seek to improve entire villages and the stream of lives that are being impacted by them producing a product for this company. This is a step up in what you have to know. You not only have to know yourself, but you have to know your customers, you have to know the supply system, and you have to know the lives they have in the communities they all live in and want to be beneficial in regard to it. Level three, 
The questions you ask here, can we shift the industry so that everyone is working in the new way and working on the entire system? Can we make so much impact that everyone wants to do this nature of work and runs to catch up with us? That is what Steve Jobs and Larry Page do. That was what they set out the company to do. They want everyone doing what is right for the greater good in the entire industry. Now this requires, and if you think about it as an investor, they not only have to know themselves well and know their customers and competitive systems and supply systems, but they have to know the industry and where it's moving and what's affecting it and how they become a leader there so that they can lead in regard to the social and planetary health. The effect of doing this makes a better business because you just get smarter about the decisions you make. You know about your customers and their lives and the communities they live in. And then you figure out how to be an industry leader that moves everyone. There are a few more risks in this level of game changing, but the social impact really is what you're investing for. Today we have with us Sean Paul, who is a longtime impact investor, and I'll ask him to introduce himself. Well, thank you, Carol. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Um, I guess, yeah, my name is Sean Paul, and I've been in this field of internet business development and what's been called today impact investment for about 25 years. I've done that through establishing a number of financial services organizations, ecologic development fund focused on Latin America, the environment, and rural development. Uh, Roof Capital became a very successful loan fund, providing loans to small and growing businesses in Latin America and Africa. And today I'm working with private equity partners in reinventure capital to really look at how to deploy capital with values to pr provide both competitive financial returns and exemplary impact. To your second question of, of how, how is the, or what is the impact investment built today? I'm excited to see that we're seeing a whole new set of questions being asked about uh, we're facing a time of great uncertainty, economic uncertainty, that many would agree in the financial, looking in financial markets. And there's a whole group really looking in a new way of how do we apply our values to the way we deploy capital. And so broadly speaking, a lot of people are, draw, are drawn to this topic of impact investment. And I think the field is still defining what does it mean. And I, for me, what it means is it is about achieving some broad social and environmental benefit alongside traditional financial return expectations, where there's some intentionality of achieving some desired positive outcome along with financial returns. So um, I know quite a few folks who are in the impact investing world, including myself, and I know that even in that world, philosophy varies. You know, what it is we think about, why we go in a particular direction, what we hold is kind of the direction in making those decisions. Could you describe yours a bit? What's your philosophy in regard to investing generally, and then how does it vary when you come specifically to impact investing? Yeah, so our investment practice at reInventure Capital is primarily focused on investing in poorly understood or undervalued market opportunities. So we see a whole set of investment opportunities uh, that we feel we have a competitive advantage at because of our team and our understanding of markets. And not just traditional understanding of markets, but we're seeing understanding the social dimension of markets. To give one lens that we use to evaluating investment opportunities, it's looking at uh, gender, gender diversity and the leadership of the companies. So we have seen the data shows that private equity dramatically underinvests in women-led companies. 
Yet on balance, the data showing women in leadership um, tend to outperform the, their peers where there isn't that similar diversity in leadership. That's one example of what I would give you of a whole area of what I would call a poorly understood investment opportunity under, and an undervalued market opportunity. So uh, we're looking thematically under traditional investment lenses. We are, you know, in sectors, we are looking at food, energy, and water and the role that digital technology can play with entrepreneurial teams, scaling companies um, in, in, in disruptive ways. So we're looking at, um, uh, I'd say it's emerging companies and growth companies. To the question of impact, um, we believe, along with many entrepreneurs we work with, that we don't need to, we reject the traditional premise that you either make a lot of money or you do a lot of good. And we really believe that clarity around creating good actually can enhance the financial value proposition, not just in terms of enhancing returns, but in, in very significantly, how to manage risks of investments. So when we look at impact, I'd say we really look at impact through um, four lenses of what we value of how we define impact. One of those is we're looking at companies that are being innovative around first lens of wealth sharing. How are we dealing with income inequality and turning income inequality and wealth sharing into a business opportunity? Second area that we look at that's huge is resilience. And what does it mean to transition to, you know, a more, uh, I'd say, a carbon neutral economy and building a world that's prepared to better adapt? Resilience is the second lens that we use to value, evaluate impact and opportunity. Uh, third lens for us is uh, gender equity that I mentioned. Uh, and the fourth is cultural revitalization. And that's an area I'm really excited about. So impact ties to, for us, to understanding and pursuing poorly understood market opportunities. Cultural revitalization, we are losing some great cultural practices of minority cultures around the world, and they present huge market opportunities. And by one illustration I would talk to is uh, nutrient-dense superfoods. So we hear about chia, uh, quinoa. These come out of ancient cultures. If the business is growing well, it's going to affirm cultural practices where those products are being sourced, and it's bringing a healthy, competitive product to market. So I think for our listeners, it would be really helpful to have a specific example of something you've been able to invest in, and what's the nature of return that you were able to get on that in the financial side as well as the social side. Because all of these principles sound great. What do they look like in practice? Yeah, great question. So... Um, you know, in terms of, of my team and past investments, one example of a company I'm really excited about is Alter Eco. You know, we came in, it was in $2 million in revenue, four years. It's grown from $2 million to $10 million in revenue. So that growth over a four-year period reflects that expansion phase. What does Alter Eco do? They are in a specialty food products. They are selling uh, consumer food products are with quinoa, chocolate, um, and coffee. Uh, so they have a high-quality product. They sold online at places like Whole Foods, um, and they're, they're selling nationally in the U.S. What excites me, two things excite me about them as a company, most significantly, is how they manage their supply chain. So they are really working with farmer co-ops and to really improve sustainability practices on the ground. What does that mean? It means social inclusion, including those often excluded from the modern economy, you know, very low-income farmers. They're adopting farming practices that are not only environmentally sustainable and organic certified, but they're really thinking about ecosystem management. 
They're planting trees to maintain the water source of farms. They're planting trees to enhance the quality of the agricultural products they're creating, like coffee. And so that would be one example. They're consumer-facing brand. They are in this place that I would call seeking uh, to reach the aspirational consumer. We have a growing market segment in the U.S. of consumers that um, value where their stuff comes from. They want to feel good about the things they buy. And this is one of those products. It's not only healthy, tastes good, but many consumers value uh, being affiliated with a brand that makes them feel good about who they are. One of the uh, things I find very interesting in the investment impact investment community is there's a lot of collaboration it's done with partners. It's uh, where the traditional investing community may be more an independent person or a few, or else they form an entire fund. I know that you've done a lot of thinking about how you have the right partners, uh, how much do you have to be aligned on your own values, how do you check that out. You know, how is it you really provide leadership in a cohesive way? Uh, and how do you, you know, picking the right partners, working in a way that you really can make a difference with all those partnerships? Uh, yes. I, I think one of the things we do talk about in our own internal business and when we see the world, I would say when we think about this issue of what is competition, collaboration in our next or new economy, um, one of the things we do think about is just think about 20 years ago, 15 years ago, the world has dramatically shifted. And one of the shifts is around the digital shift. The fact that we can now have this interview the way we're having it on Google really, is, I think, re re represents a huge opportunity that we all need to understand and reshapes collaboration and competition. The digital shift means that, you know, uh, what we see is exponential drop in technology costs and an exponential improvement in the capacity of technology. It makes this kind of broad, you know, broadband communication essentially free. And that is a new landscape that reach can reframe both competition and cooperation. What you were talking about and we think about is, yes, finding trusted value-aligned partners um, is really clear for us to achieve our goals. But we have new tools that really can, if we're smart about it, can give us as an, as an investor make us more competitive, reduce our costs, enhance our collaboration at a lower cost. Um, one of our big issues uh, as a private investor are the due diligence costs, finding a company and doing all the work on, on them. We, through collaboration, smart collaboration, we reduce our due diligence costs. We have a smarter intelligence network by the way we work with investors. On the other side, we see investors increasingly, and yes, you're right, it is a lot in the impact investment space, we're taking on challenging issues. They're bigger than any of us. How can we achieve them more successfully together? And not just in sounding nice, but in practical business terms. How do I reduce my costs and my risks through collaboration? How do I enhance my intelligence network through collaboration? So inside a reinventure, you know, we're now in a raise, reaching out to limited partners. And quite often, uh, our limited partners are looking for a community. They don't want to do it alone. How do we do it together? Another way we collaborate with investors is co-investors. It's smart investing. We syndicate investments. Uh, that's been a past practice very successful for us. Uh, syndication does a lot of things for us, including uh, fosters collaboration, reduces costs, mitigate risks. So I, those are a few ways that we're thinking about collaboration in the impact investment field. When you invest in uh, a company, an entrepreneurial company, what stage do they tend to be at in your work? 
Uh, and how long do you stay with them? And you know, what's your role as you, you know, how, how embedded do you become in that? Yeah. So this is a next fund. Uh, my, like myself and my, my, my general partners, we have successfully managed many funds before this. We, this is a 10-year fund. Our investments will be you know, three to seven years um, toward the longer term. Um, we, our value proposition to the entrepreneurs, you know, for outstanding entrepreneurs, um, growing companies. The phase of companies are emerging, growth, and later stage. That means they've been around for three years or more. They are at or near profitability at minimum. And in some cases, it's uh, situations where founders are looking for a new role, updating their role where they were founder and CEO. Uh, so on balance, what we have found works best is we think uh, we can manage risk, enhance value by bringing more than money to companies. Our value proposition to entrepreneurs is really not just working capital, but looking at contributed capital, offering community, extending their network through ours, bringing them the kind of expertise that we can through our networks, whether it's practical business skills or extending you know, business investment. And our fourth value proposition to our entrepreneurs is we seek on balance to provide a set of services that offers comfort to entrepreneurs driven to grow exceptional companies. So we really see it as an engaged approach, um, and we do that through uh, a network of venture entrepreneurs and specialists in addition to ourselves as principals. So we have quite a few listeners who have not gotten their toes wet yet much in the um, investing space. What is it that they already know because they've been investors for a long time that you think is going to help them? And what do they need to learn? And so it's a little bit of advice to people on how they begin but have a bit of confidence because there are some things they know. Yeah, I guess I would say one of the things I see um, is how do we rethink risk and risk management? So traditional financial lens, we get that. But when we get into the social side, I think there are new risks and there are new opportunities for risk mitigation. So I would just think about in broad terms, what is it if moving into impact what are these non-traditional, non-financial risk management strategies? An example out in the world, think about group peer lending, right? We got micro lending, peer lending. We saw through micro lending that uh, lending was made accessible to very poor people that didn't have the assets to qualify for a loan in a bank. But the risk mitigation happened through peer lending and peer pressure. That circle of peer pressure has demonstrated over several decades now that it's highly um, viable on a financial basis. It monetized social capital. We took peer pressure and turned it into a way that could reduce risk of lending. It was monetizing social capital. That social capital exists, and I look at cultural capital, um, it exists all over. So that's one thing I would invite people looking at the impact investment space. What are new ways to think about risk and new ways to mitigate it? And that can be through collaboration, and it can be what does that business actually do that's that creates value beyond the traditional metrics. Um, and the other thing I would say is most people I've watched that have gone this route alone and just do their own thing usually make a lot of mistakes. So I believe uh, that's okay. That's part of learning. But I just say if you want to do it alone, then accept you're going to make a lot of mistakes. Mistakes means losses. means, you know, you are uh, positioning yourself to be less competitive as an investor. So what does it mean to reduce those risks 
enhance your financial performance and do it with others. I mean, there's a whole breadth of new opportunities out there of what collaboration could look like, angel networks, funds. I mean, there are all sorts of things, but it's not just the traditional financial collaborators. I think there's new opportunities to think about collaboration sectors, what's happening with nonprofits, what's happening in government. Um, I think that that's just not, think about what would it be to invest smarter by not going alone? Where are those natural opportunities for allies to help one, you know, invest smarter? Speaking of which, there will be some people who would uh, love to either talk with you about becoming a co-investor or partner in what you're doing or follow up in some way that uh, they can learn more about you and what you're doing. What is the best way for people to do that that also still works for you? They can reach me by email. Um, at Sean at reinventurecapital.com. That's Sean, which is S-H-A-U-N, at reinventurecapital.com. Com. And you can find us on Twitter at ReInventureCap. Great. Uh, I thank you so much for spending time with me here today, and I look forward to talking to you more in the future soon. Okay. Thank you. What a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you would like to hear more of these kind of podcasts, more stories about impact investors, and also to track our segment on responsible entrepreneurs, please go to my website, carolsanford.com. You also can find access to my two books there, which give even more stories in more depth, The Responsible Business and The Responsible Entrepreneur, four game-changing archetypes for founders, leaders, and impact investors. See you next time.